Buglers, we are live from Leicester Square Theatre on the 16th of September with Chris Addison and Alice Fraser. It might be our only London date of the year, so get your tickets now. Oh, get them at thebuglepodcast.com. That, that bit's important. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from The Bugle. Hi, it's me, Tiff Stevenson, and welcome to Tiny Revolutions, the podcast where I talk to amazing creators about what inspires them and what has been a tiny revolution for them. I'm joined this week by the fantastic Maria Bamford. Maria, yeah! Thank you so much for having me. This may be my final podcast. <laughs> the final podcast you ever do. Um, I like to cheer you on because I know we're easing back out of lockdown now, but we're comedians. We, we're needy, aren't we? We need to hear. Yes! I need a taste of the dragon. <laughs> I would like to know, first off, just right off the bat, you know, how did you become Maria Bamford? Was this by design or was this happy accident? When you were a kid, were you like, yes, I'm going to do stand-up comedy, I'm going to be funny? Or did you have completely different plans for your life, as is often the case with comics? Well, of course I wanted to be a nun or a prostitute, because they had particular uniforms where they could be identified uh, <laughs> in what I thought was a positive way. Um, later in life, I realized um, sex work is the way to go. Anyways, uh, I yeah, I was shy and didn't get up my mom and sister are big personalities, so I didn't get a lot of stage time at home. Um, so the feeling of being watched um, was delightful when I first felt it. And uh, it continues to be uh, joyful, fulfilling. So you grew up in Minnesota, right? Is this where you first got your, your sea legs for stand-up? or And you had a family yes. full of big personalities, so you wanted to get your voice heard. So is that where yes. it all began then? Yeah, and I like doing, whenever there was an opportunity to speak in public, uh, running for office as a kid or uh, doing any sort of speech, uh, any sort of uh, acting, um, I was always very interested, you know, despite people's lack of interest in me, which is a continued, <laughs> continued trait. <laughs> Could I get up? Anybody want me to go <laughs> I have to um I have to ask about class because we don't have class presidents. I think in boarding schools they have something like form tutors or head girls or stuff like that. Yeah, you wear a blazer. Right. <laughs> you see, I love that because but at schools here again, everyone wears a blazer. At my school, everyone had to wear a blazer and you had to have your school emblem on the blazer. But class president, is it like you see in the movies? So did you have to go around securing votes, giving out flyers and stuff? Yes, and it's all just like American politics. It's based on personality and who gives the most vibrant speech. Whether it makes sense or not, doesn't matter. Can people understand what you're getting at? My uh, campaign, I believe, for my junior year of high school was uh, more food. I think I, that's all I was gonna say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get us more different kinds of food. And I didn't even do it. It was all just based, you know, like I was a benevolent figurehead, a brain dead megaphone. I did nothing, but people really bought the message. And I think that's <laughs> what's uh, important. When you were there, like sort of growing up, what were you watching? What What is the earliest thing that do you think that you saw that made you say, I'm, I'm going to be a comic or I like that, or that's something that's lit something in my brain, in my young brain to make me think? Well, I love, um, loved TV. I just love TV. Everything about it. 
I love how I got to sit and watch it. And um, yeah, so I think I started mimicking some TV commercials and the one show that comes to mind as being something I watched a lot was Three's Company. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think the physical nature of that guy, you know, he was kind of the main character, the Jack Tripper. I think that was the character name. And um, I, mean, I think a lot of shows at that time anyways, there weren't as many female comedic characters. Well, we would watch Saturday Night Live and that was something I loved as a kid as well. My dad, we watched that. But yeah, there weren't, I didn't think of the idea as of comedian as a job, I believe, until a friend of mine gave me um, a book, The Artist's Way. So many people have it or have been given it and tossed it to their local Goodwill. Um, I love that book so much. I have bought it used over and over and over again. The tone is interesting just because it's very uh, spiritual. Not my fave, just, I, I, I don't know. I don't think I was, <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's some, uh, I don't think even the wind cares about my comedy career. But, uh, <laughs> but we all know how powerful the wind is. Um, who knows the wind? Can I get an ear of the wind? <laughs> I want the wind to review all of my shows. <laughs> Too static. Three stars. <laughs> oh my God. So that kind of helped me put a label on what I was doing and what I wanted to do. And um and so that's, I think that that was definitely a, a book that was like a tiny revolution. A few people have mentioned sort of the morning pages, which is one of the processes in there, which I find really useful. And I haven't done it for a while and I probably should. I do journal now, but uh, the morning pages were quite revelatory for me for the idea that you could just write without judgment and kind of get all this gunk out your brain <laughs> and sort of reset. Yeah, yeah. And get, get going because I know like... Um, yeah, it just helps me like all of a sudden I'll be writing and go, Oh, I'm writing about this thing that I've been, you know, trying to fix in stand up or in right now I'm writing a book, uh, Tiffany, and I, I wanted to change my voice in order to talk about, talk about writing a book, <laughs> but I, um, um, I love that voice. Yeah. Is that Diane? Oh yes. <laughs> it's Diane. <laughs> She's so confident. And she, of course, has written several books. They're also published. And the reason I publish it myself is because they don't let me say the F word nearly enough in the text. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Simon and Schuster, f no. You know, I'm not going to take that out. That's my go-to word. I would buy anything off Diane. Diane is very, very convincing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't I produce several voices, but that that's the one where I go it because my, you know, my own voice. I mean, it's been said since I was a child is irritating uh, or at least intimated. There was some light suggestion that my voice uh, was put on and maybe if I could change it, that'd be great. <laughs> wow. Okay. I love your voice. <laughs> oh, thanks. My sister has the same voice and she was a doctor or she was, she is a doctor. She was. <laughs> she, she was. <laughs> well, she was a doctor, but now she's, she does something completely different. She's like a life coach, life coach shaman. Oh, wow. So, yeah. so coming back to the voice thing, this is interesting because I had a sort of bit in my last show about this, but it's about the voices that we listen to. It's very interesting because I think your Diane has a similar thing to uh, Joanna Lumley, who's a who's a, a character actress from Absolutely Fabulous, who I think is how lovely. She's very much this kind of voice that when gentlemen in the room get at half mast for Joanna, because it's yes. a very... There's a sexual frisson <laughs> in the air. Yeah. And it is something, isn't it? It's such a posh, like it's a very, but I kind of feel like this is the only voice men in power want to hear. Yeah. So yeah. I think me, I sound like a chimney sweep. So I kind of totally get this idea. Yeah. Like Diane feels like the American version of that. This woman that you go, oh, people are going to listen to her. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I finally... 
I have a couple of ideas if I can just run them by you. Yes. Of course you can. Yeah, of course you can, Diane. How much money do you want, Diane? Yes. <laughs> the only English accent I do, which I think people are going to be find offensive, is I can do a little noise and I'm not even sure what part of England I would be from. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. It's kind of like, I call that trembly old lady voice. Yeah, it's kind of like, a, yes, oh, yes, it's about there. Um, maybe a home county's grandmother. Maybe a home county's grandmother. Oh, did, you bring Tim, did you bring me Tim Tams from Australia? <laughs> mm. Yes, yeah. I, could, right. I, I mean, I'd watch that sitcom. Okay, all right. So you can, you can, you can, I love all of your voices. And so when you were saying that you would impersonate adverts and stuff, one of the earliest things I think I saw of yours after I'd been taken, Tony Law brought me to see you in Edinburgh. And that was, that was just a gift. He was like, I want to take, I didn't know you. I want to take you to see, hey, Tiff, I don't know if you know Tony Law. He's the most like, uh, like of all the Canadian comics, he's the one who most sounds like Yogi Bear. Like it sounds a little bit like, let's go get those picnic baskets. Like that's Tony, right? <laughs> and Tony's very surreal, Tony and Noel Fielding. And they, they all sort of like came through together that. And he took me one Edinburgh, we were doing a play. It must have been 2006. And it sort of blew my mind. And then I went away and looked at your stuff. And there was this great online series where you were basically your own sitcom and you'd created all of your family members, you know, uh, and put them in into the show and you're doing all the characters and it's it's genius if you've never seen this of maria's honestly you should go look it up if they can still find it oh yes no that you can easily find it it's a maria Bamford show it's on uh youtubes it is free there are never any commercials because uh I, I i'm not organized that's not how i i i do things in my career i, I don't get money for them uh <laughs> <laughs> i don't monetize and watching that it was clear to me that your family were like quite a huge part of how you create your comedy and influential in that sort of process. Were they, were they sort of the big influences around your writing or, you know, the town you grew up in or. Yeah. I look back through things about my childhood and like, I remember everything as just horrifying. Like it is just pain after pain. And then, of course, you look at pictures and documents of you being a child. And it's like, uh, I think it's pretty f***ing great. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just like, yeah. I just, for whatever reason, I had a dark, dark view of, of what was uh, going on, which was nothing. Nothing was going on um, beyond uh, normal life. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I think... For whatever reason, I'm not sure why, but I, I, that is a way I see the world is sort of being, uh, like I like to tell stories about how I'm sort of this trapped victim <laughs> of the world. <laughs> it first started we all are. Thing. None of us asked to be born, did we? So we all are in some how ways. Now, the whole thing is on you, really, at this point. I mean, you could take me out of the game right now with a sharp blow to the head that I don't see coming. Um <laughs> Please don't let me see it coming. I just don't want to see it coming. Yeah. So that's kind of, I, I think that's how that relationship, like how I, I could kind of be the butt of jokes, but also be this lovable schlump, like going, oh, I'm the loser of my family. And then yet making fun of them on stage. And then I, I think I, I've continued that on uh but just you know kind of uh saying uh, about society like you know it every every uh relationship yeah just kind of like i, I which anyway i'm not i'm saying that i'm not super proud of this in retrospect <laughs> like i'm like hey maria it couldn't have been that many people were even thinking about you know, to victimize somebody, you really have to be thinking about it. And I just don't think my family was thinking that hard. Right. I think it's hard when we're kids because all I feel all comics to a certain, I think all comics are control freaks. And that's one thing about childhood is that there's a lot of it that you don't control. And I think that can be quite enraging. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and also that kind of knowledge, like that there was something 
there could have been something else. Cause I look back on stuff. I mean, obviously I, I definitely needed meds or something, you know, to, uh, uh, keep my brain regulated, but, uh, had there been other options, like I did, there were some creative writing programs when I was a kid and, but the, the resources, which were plenty that I had access to were fairly conservative, like in terms of like, you, like I love stand up. I love stand up where it's like, people just go, guess what I just did. And then they, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, what? <laughs> like, it's very, the, everything weirdly is, is acceptable uh on on some on some level i mean i think everyone hopes it's going to be hilarious at the same time but you know i lo- i love to hear somebody's unique perspective on the world did you find stand up as like a a form of therapy uh yeah or reminded me a lot of therapy or especially groups like where everyone gets the same amount of time and you're timed and then you can say whatever you want there's no feedback no, no cross talk yeah yeah and i mean if you stayed, if you stayed after after your show, then of course there's plenty of cross talk. But I would always leave very quickly. Now it's it's kind of a bit easier, but I do remember first starting, like there would often be a lot of men around who wanted to give their hot opinion on how I was doing it, <laughs> whether I was doing it right, and where I could improve. And may I say, not male comedians, just Anyone. men in the audience. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, I know. I still still get assistance via the internet, um, which I mean, I don't know. I'm all down for some constructive criticism, but it is it is interesting how that's still um, a thing. My friend, I have a friend of mine who just a guy contacted her and said, you know, I, I, I love your. I mean, I just saw your show. Um, you're not funny. I think uh, I, could, I <laughs> wow, what an opener! Yeah, I would like I would like to be funny with you. I think we could make a great duo, but but I would you would be the straight man, and I'm like, oh my god, it, there's so much there. But um, the, the the overstep of or the confidence, the, confidence, the audacity, the, to, audacity. <laughs> the confidence to just come in and go. This thing you do professionally, I think I could do it. I think I could do it better. May we all have that confidence one day. I mean slash arrogance, slash rudeness. Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind taking a stab at being a doctor. And it would be a stab. <laughs> it would be a lunging towards human flesh. <laughs> <laughs> we just give it a go. Why not? Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. What I love about your stand-up is it's, it so beautifully articulates those voices in your brain it's it's a real kind of like I guess valve <laughs> that when people are watching it you're like oh I have oh my god I do that you bring it to life with 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 characters and voices and you were kind of I guess one of the first people I saw that really did that thing of like going oh you're doing it's it feels very surreal but you're also just doing observational really relatable stuff as well but it's so uniquely the Maria Bamford perspective Oh, that you know I, I I feel like there's no one like you for that I'm like Maria is you know so we get a glimpse inside your head of like kind of going oh that I have this weird voice or this weird idea but we also get something that's so truly you how did you find 
sort of coming through when you came through in the scene you know you're doing stuff in Minnesota but did you move from there and then kind of go I need to get out of Minnesota yeah I well I read the artist way as well as a number of self-help books feel the fear and do it anyway uh, also creative visualization by Shakti Gawain it's I mean again hocus pocus but yeah and I, I did mostly places that were very loving accepting so i did not do a lot of comedy clubs i did women's with a y and two m's and an i nights and uh glbtq situations midnight shows at a black box theater um yeah very gentle loving celebratory oh my god i i can't believe you even got here type of spaces so i i was not hitting the clubs grinding <laughs> like it was just not road dog yeah road dog <laughs> you have to say like, like that. <laughs> i think i tried one date like that and it was so clear that i uh was not needed i was not needed in that venue um <laughs> that uh i didn't do that for i would think many years so i got a i i then i moved to los angeles which is you know a beautiful font of open mics did that a lot of shows here and and la is also a very accepting kind of safe space in terms of creativity where people are like because i think it's i don't, I don't know why i don't know why but it is very like great man wow cool. you know what like <laughs> there's just not that harsh criticism of like new york you know people i mean I love New York for that, you know, where people just tell you to shut the f up and you suck, yeah. you know? Yeah, but, there's a brutality there. Yeah, I mean, that's hilarious in its own way. But uh, yeah, I, I like Los Angeles. It's like, wow, that sounds, that's a rich vein. Just keep going with that. You know, where it's very, yeah, just very supportive. And um, so do that, but I didn't do clubs until after i had done tv first right right and that's when i yeah started doing clubs Jack, jackie cation came with me on the road because i was like oh my god i don't know why they hired me to do this <laughs> <laughs> and i also i also bombed and would be i yeah burn bridges at a, a few different uh comedy clubs because i was basically doing more of a one-person show type thing than uh stand up when you were coming through having that sort of experience in la who was around that you were like wow they're amazing oh, I, everybody you know. i mean i felt like everyone in los angeles like i was just blown away by people's talent and or like vision confidence like i mean that that I think about any big city and you're just like, oh my God, like people who are extraordinarily gifted and or extraordinarily uh, dedicated to the cause on their own behalf is, is quite stunning. Um, that's, that's, a really, that's a really very beautifully kind way of saying arrogant. <laughs> dedicated to the cause of themselves in a way that's impressive um <laughs> but it is kind of like you're like oh my oh they're just they're just oh okay you know <laughs> um and I, yeah because and I, I think that's the way i'm a performer i'm a shy person i didn't grow up being gregarious at all so my I, you know and i believe my neural pathways can mold and shape into new ones but so far um i haven't i haven't gotten more gregarious <laughs> on right, stage. right. Okay. and so um i will be measuring your neuroplasticity throughout the, throughout the, the course of the pot someone put an electrode on my brain um yes so, so i have to plan and rehearse you know uh, improvised remarks nine years in advance like I'm not <laughs> I'm, I'm not a, a genius of um yeah that's just not 
yeah, so it was, I, I, I love, and I still love that about LA where it's like, it's so many different perspectives. And then, um, and I love the thing where you see, but somebody just take leaps and bounds all of a sudden, like all of a sudden they're like, like fully realized as a, a comedic persona or whatever you want to call it, their show or their per, uh, point of view. And uh, um, it's very inspiring. The young people, these young kids, they get out there in their thirties <laughs> and they are just doing so well. So going back to Minnesota, were you, were your family massively political? Did you, you from a political family or not really? They are, uh, I believe what, I mean, they were progressive, but in a way that was not active. I mean, my mom would uh, canvas for different uh, democratic politicians, you know, people running for office. And so she'd make those phone calls where he, you know, and she loved to chit chat. So she was great at that. And so I guess in that way, political, but, but also they have friends who were, you know, conservative. I mean, not crazy conservative. What I mean by that is people who stormed the Capitol. Anyways, <laughs> um, my earliest political memory to give you an example, it was going to school or that I now realize was political was going to school and we used to get milk at break time. And then one day the milk was gone, which was when Margaret Thatcher was in power. And oh. and my mum repeating the phrase Thatcher, Thatcher, milk snatcher. So that's where that sort of, that's my earliest sort of memory of a political moment. So do you have any, do you have any memories like that of when you were a kid of like seeing Reagan or seeing something happen and go, and go, oh, that like looking back now, I realised that was a moment of political change. I mean, I, I realize now just because of, you know, privilege, the upper uh, middle class, uh, very, you know, white, very also, you know, I, I believe very uh, non-diverse uh, northern Minnesota town. We didn't really, yeah. You didn't have to engage in politics. Didn't have to engage. Exactly. Right. Did not have to engage. Well, now... Now I think everybody in the U.S., no matter where you are, you are engaged. Also, yeah, things like all the isms, you know, I, I, I didn't think were going on because they didn't affect me at all. Like, but right, now right. when I talk to a friend who was, who was black and it's at school when I was going, she said, yeah, it was all the time I had to deal with that. And, you know, it was, right. <laughs> she was an honor society kid and school sent her to meet with an older black man in in the you know just and the, they just sat in the same room together at the school and were like why do you think you're here and he, she's like I don't know I'm a straight A student why are you here and he's like well I'm, I was just gonna tell you you know maybe hey don't take drugs and like, <laughs> just wow like, just this weird there's so many things I didn't uh didn't know about uh were were happening uh and and now do and, and i imagine la probably is quite eye-opening in terms of i feel like in la every corner there's a a movement uh a newsletter a pamphlet a gig a piece of activism a moment a da 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 you know like actually that must be like pretty revolutionary in terms of moving to a place and finding that people are a lot more engaged in that type of thing a coastal city yeah and th th there's very st strong opinions and maybe now more than ever there's like very um i don't want it, but, but i mean it's just that if and, but now it seems more of a fear of being canceled more than a fear. Right, <laughs> an right. actual progressive value it's right, like right. is it can i say it Oh, I use the wrong word for that. You know, and like right, that right. feels less political than it feels like um, survival <laughs> terror. Right, right. Okay, <laughs> survive. But I went on the marches, but I know that I uh, I did once the riot police came, I skedaddled, right. which is you know that's about where I am politically, which is like right. oh, I just don't want to be socked in the stomach. Uh, yeah. in a baby gap 
Uh, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a fair line to draw. <laughs> but but I think that is where actually the, that's when the, the movement needs people is like to be to be able to risk uh, your health and life for for something you know rather than yeah so so i I, i'm trying not to have a hard out on human rights uh to (laughs) to say okay why don't you stay till the end and and show up late to the march and then oh we did have have the women's march in london and i was like could we just have like one in summer yeah that's all i'm saying like it's freezing cold it's seven in the morning i can't even show you my t-shirt with the slogans on it because i've got seven jumpers over the top of it so i'm just saying can, can we have one march in the summer that's all just one just no. one you know these are simple you know requests that um <laughs> seem to be yeah <laughs> was your first tv thing then because i like i say my experience is coming to see you at the edinburgh fringe and then looking up all your online work but what was the first thing you did on tv i want to say it was a comedy central set like they had a, something called premium blend i did a short short set on that like coffee premium blend <laughs> and then i did conan but yes those short sets you talk about because people still practice in that way it's you know like a five minutes, seven minutes that they just had on auditions for just for laughs, Montreal, that, uh, Oh festival. yes. And so we were doing six minute sets. So I, and I, I liked, I liked doing that. I was blown away when I went to Edinburgh in Australia, you know, and was like, Oh, people create a whole new hour every year. Like, and, and now it's more like that in the U S but, um, it used to be more like you created a new album like every three to ten years and right. um, <laughs> and you just bank it all in your merch yes <laughs> make sure you keep doing that closer because that's what's on the t-shirt <laughs> right right let's talk about edinburgh because for comedian quite a few comedians this is a tiny revolution the idea that there's this place where all this creativity and art and everything else is happening. And I suppose Montreal, again, Montreal was quite different. I seen you doing an hour show in Montreal and I loved it. I went with Nish Kumar a couple of years ago and it was like a, it was, that must've been 2016. It was like a palate cleanser. We'd had a bit of a rough afternoon and we were like, let's go see Maria. And it was so, it was so great. Really, really enjoyed ourselves. We had a great time, but that's, I guess where the industry in America and well, I say America, Canada, you know, North America uh, differs, I suppose. It's kind of set up. The showcases there are very much like we've got the New York comedy showcase. We've got the Italian American guys. And then Edinburgh is just this thing of like anyone and everyone could go. JFL's invite. And Edinburgh is like, just come. and Just s- come. But isn't it? I mean, you can lose a shit ton of money there, right? Yes. 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 Yeah. Just for laughs pays you. Yeah, and they pay well, you for the TV spots but, and everything else, but, but. They, they don't always pay you. Um, or right. at least, I mean, I think for the last, I don't know, I think they changed it last year, but for many years, they did this thing. If you were a new face for Montreal, they would wouldn't tell you that you were accepted until the last minute when airfare was super expensive. You had to pay your own airfare to get there. Uh, the only right, thing they provided right. was lodging. And so if you're there, you know, and then they put, there's some pressure of like, this is your one chance. And it's like, no, it's not. It's just a bar filled with comedians. Yeah. That people would go into debt trying to go to, uh, to Montreal just to be able to stay there longer, you know, be able to afford the ticket. Cause then there's no pay. Right. Edinburgh. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, the one time I spent the whole month there, that was, that was, it's rough. Like it just, the one thing that was surprising because they didn't ever review, or at least when in the beginning they didn't. When I was starting out, they didn't review comedy in the U.S. We were right next to karaoke. It listed in the right. paper. It was like, oh, it's not really a an art form. But then to be reviewed thoughtfully, oh no, thank you. Uh, in Edinburgh, uh, somebody says in a well written way uh, how how they fell asleep during your show. But uh, yeah, it. it, it it was good. The one thing that actually was the uh, tiny revolution for me was the Melbourne Comedy Festival, because right. 
because it's I think it's state funded, it was very well paid. Yes. Uh, low, very low pressure, like very like it just didn't the, the reviews. I mean, there were something, but it comparative of Edinburgh. It wasn't like this grind. It wasn't a grind. Yeah. You're not trying to get stars up on your poster to get butts in. To yeah. The show. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it was because it was uh, yeah, I was invited. You're invited over there and then they pay for everything there but it was so much more relaxing so how did melbourne change things for you do you think like in that terms of being revolutionary like what did you learn from that in the u.s i had not been able to really do well in clubs and stuff like i would be like i was trying but what i do is specific you know it's very niche oriented some might say that means not funny i hear that i hear that youtube I do not accept that. <laughs> I do not accept that. But um, it was just so welcoming and everyone was delighted. I think the fact that I didn't do well in the US, like the, that was some sort of the sales pitch was like, she's an underdog. And, the, like, right, right. and then people were like, way like it. But yeah, it was just so, the audiences were so positive. And it was also theater based or that those are the places yeah. I was performing was theaters. And it was just whatever I, I won the Barry award that year uh which right, is a, right. where it's a where for the and i was just like what alternate universe is this because <laughs> then i go back to the states and i'd be like bah, you know just uh i think what was it i mean jackie will tell you we've done dates where we've had a switch where she's headlined instead of me because right. i'm doing so badly i'm just like i don't want to hurt anybody i don't want to ruin people's <laughs> weekends and i wonder if that's you know people see something on tv whether it's a club owner or something and then when you have the that product or person there in your eerie pennsylvania town that's rather conservative and you know was mostly mostly a naval base or whatever then you go oh oh no that's not we actually didn't want that you know like (laughs) we thought we wanted that but we didn't And I had the conventional attractiveness uh, things going for me, so I'd have a beautiful headshot. So I think, oh, let's have a hot lady in for this weekend. Just see what she has to say, (laughs) which I am part of that problem. You know, I could have shaved my head and put out something different. And so I think I worry sometimes I got booked that way where it'd be like, we just need a, because I I definitely was – was uh, not able to do the job sometimes. So anyways, Australia was like this wonderful place where I felt like very welcome. And and you went, our shows, our shows are the way forward. And also just doing the show, the same show every night. Yeah. But like there's nothing like it. Like it's one of the most useful. I often think about comics that have never done any festivals or runs like that. Like anyone who I think is amazing will have done it at some point just to cut because it, nothing makes you better than going out every night yeah and doing it and the diane level confidence being in front of melbourne crowd who are excited to see you right yeah it's like giving you a bit of diane every night yeah no it was wonderful and i went back a few years ago and you know then of course i i think i got a i got four stars just four stars out of five i was like what happened and now we're getting more <laughs> festivals in the u.s we're getting more like homegrown festivals where people do our, you know, which has been wonderful. And yeah, I do like now I, uh, for myself, for practicing, I do day shows during the day in, uh, in uh, the US where y'all just Twitter, oh, I'm going to do this at this theater. So this is revolutionary. This is, this is amazing. During lockdown, you were doing one person show, was it to an audience of one? Yeah. And I've done this for before. I've done it for, I mean, I think several years now. I need to rehearse and also I'm lonely and (laughs) those two (laughs) things put it out on the internet uh, to a group of people who have already said publicly on on some level that they enjoy my work then pick one person and I would meet them at a coffee shop uh wherever whatever city I'm in or in my neighborhood and uh and then when it was during the choir I'd meet them on zoom and just do my hour for them face to face. And 
I've also done it with just getting five people up there up from social distancing and then rent, I rent a little garage space nearby just to rehearse. This is what I love about you. You're someone who like takes the form, reinvents the form, shows ways that you can kind of change it and make it like your special on Netflix that you was the Netflix one with your parents, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The special, yeah, special, to... special. <laughs> Yeah, right. yeah, which was due to sloth. This is magic to me. <laughs> <laughs> it was just to the fact that I just, I didn't want to do one of those giant shows where I was like, yeah, everybody come on. I was just, I was kind of mentally shattered, uh, just not very, doing great. And um, I thought, well, who are the people who really have skin in the game to be the audience? And that's my parents. And um, they're going to make sure they're going to laugh because they're not leaving me any money. When they passed away, my mom made that very clear. And uh, honey, we made some mistakes. So <laughs> don't expect anything. Yes. So I don't ever want to be a victim of like going, I can't get up at the clubs. <laughs> or or people in that crowd doesn't get me. It's like, well, find where the love is, Maria. You know, like if, and the internet is so beautiful for that, where it's like you can find you know, five pe- it's not that hard to get a following of like five fans, even if they're bots. Bots, we don't know how much bots can do. Can bots show up at a coffee house <laughs> at 9 a.m. to hear your one person show? And it's out of laziness. We live a little farther outside of Los Angeles now than we used to. And to drive in for an hour to go do a seven to 10 minute set feels uh that's it just it it feels like um yeah I just I'd rather do an hour I'd rather do an hour (laughs) you mentioned that you're writing a book actually before we talk about the book let's talk about Lady Dynamite I watched I inhaled Lady Dynamite I was so excited and I loved how much you addressed some of the stuff around ageism and women in the show and I felt like that took such a long time. Like I felt like you could have had a TV show 10 years prior to this, 15 years prior to this, uh, right? Yeah. And you you uh, finally get your shot. What was the mission behind when you wrote it? Were you like, I just want to write the funniest show or I want to give you a sense of Maria or, you know, what was your thought process? My thought process was I had already told my story a billion times before doing One Person Shows and Stand Up. So I actually did not write the show at all. It was written with a team of writers who were fantastic. And I would come in occasionally and eat a salad and then go, <laughs> eh, what, if, what if this happened? But it was not written by me, which oh, wow. <laughs> for which I was extremely grateful because I'm not, I'm not a script writer. Um, you know, at, at, yeah. So I had some story ideas and some, tags or whatever but it was mostly written by pam brady was the head writer then the whole staff i think it was half half women writers half men it was not diverse it was all whitey woes um but uh i guess i let go completely <laughs> <laughs> wow because i feel like it captured such a essence of kind of what you do in a stand-up in a distill and like kind of going off, I guess they knew you really well. They knew who they were writing for, right? Yeah, well. How did that come about? Did Netflix just say, do you want a show or? Mitch had, not Mitch Hedberg, Mitch Hurwitz. He had an overall deal. And so he met, met me and again, bought me free salads. And, you know, it's a sort of development. I'm sure you've been through a development thing where it's like, Oh, well, like, I mean, at least now I just go, oh, I'm just in it for the free salads. Nothing, nothing's yeah. probably going to happen. <laughs> Let's just enjoy this meal together. This was after being, what story I wouldn't want to tell. And I think a story I'd be interested in telling was about mental health, but, you know, being hospitalized and kind of, um, because I was surprised at how I, how ashamed I was to be hospitalized for mental health. Like I was like, yeah. So I thought, well, I'd like to talk about that in a TV show. Um, and then also, I don't have a ton of energy for reals uh, in life because of partially because of meds I'm on, maybe attitude, maybe there's a little bit of attitude <laughs> in there. And so he knew Pam Brady. He loved working with her. You know, did she want to head up a show? 
did she, you know, was she interested or, you know, did we jive together? We did jive together. She's super funny. She wrote for South Park for, uh, uh, for the whole time and then wrote um, for Team America, wrote that movie. And then she worked with Steve Coogan on her movie Hamlet 2, I believe it's called. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, she's just hilarious. And um super high energy like she's a great showrunner so yeah so they kind of talked to each other and developed a pitch i went into pitch with them just to do the characters and uh which were the same characters from the my parents and um and uh and a little bit of my sister though my sister was then changed into a uh kind of an evil best friend character yeah, because it's, <laughs> they wrote it, I mean, it was written so meanly, and my sister is not, they're not mean, my sister's not mean. So, like, yeah, um, let's make this someone else completely, then yes. we can really have fun with it. <laughs> exactly, and uh, yeah, and then, yeah, I was very uh, gratefully hands-off with the project in terms of, I think I had a few requests, like, um, well, number one, that I would get 12 hours off every day. Like I just needed to do the 12 hour turnaround. Right. So for the listeners that don't know, when you're on a set for a thing, sometimes they, in some, some sets, they maybe do eight or 10 hours, but it's the time that you get home, have your life in your house, go to sleep, eat, whatever, to when you need to be back on set again. Yeah. It's set or yeah, it's here. It's set to set. So it's like, as soon as I leave right. thing, I got 12 hours, then I got to be back. And right. because what happens in a lot of productions is they'll just pay penalties and then you have a shorter turnaround. So that means you're on a 15 hour day, then they go, well, but we'll pay you, you know, whatever it is, who cares, you know, $2 billion. It's not $2 billion, maybe a thousand. We don't care about your mental health. Yeah. We'll just keep going. We'd like you back in four hours or we'd like you back in eight hours. And I just, I know I will not, it was on the edge of my capabilities to do the TV show anyways with, with the 12 hour turnaround. So that was really the only thing I, I definitely cared about. And they were very, you know, I, I had to say stuff on the regs just cause I think people don't, don't get it. Like if you don't experience that, you're like, why don't you just have a Coke, you know, like, or <laughs> no, it's, it's a dated type of med it's it's an antipsychotic it's it really takes me out of the game like i i wish it weren't you know so so that that i think um the next second season they let me have a, a tent on stage so i could just crawl into the tent in between scenes so that i, I yeah, just to relax. Any, yeah, any time to kind of because I'm also introverted. So, anyways, it was, it's a lot, isn't it? Yes, it's it is a lot, and um, it, it was it couldn't have been better, and it was a, a insanely wonderful experience, and I'm so grateful. But and I think that's one thing I I do advocate for for artists like just make your own thing with whatever you have a billion times. Cause then at least you get to do it yourself exactly the way you've thought it out. And then when somebody comes in and goes, Hey, we'll give you $50 million. They won't give you $50 million, but yeah. $3. <laughs> if we can take a version of that idea, you won't be as defensive or married to the, cause it's like, Oh, well, I've gotten to tell this. I mean, not that you don't want to like, there's certain things I'm, I was not the, like, there was a lot of blowjobs during the series. I don't know if you remember that. I remember it. And it bothered me. I'm just BJ flashbacks. Well, because I was just like, I, for me, blowjobs are an art form. Like, it is really, fear, it takes t- so much effort and, and, and strength and breath work and, and like, let's deep dive. Let's discuss this and why Need my to be character in training. <laughs> does is into blowjobs. Like, I I think I want that to. I can't just have that be like a like <laughs> like a yeah punchline to a scene. Um, but that was something I said, you know, because they're like, but we like blowjobs. It's funny. It's like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah. they're not wrong. I mean, I don't know everybody. So I did not die on that hill, but I did. 
yeah, but it, vaginismus it, though. Vaginismus, vaginismus. I got that in there, and um, uh, what else? What else was in there? Yeah, there was a lot of. It, it was really, it was really wonderful, and thank you for sharing that. By the way, you know, because there's a real thing in here about mental health, and and there's a lot of people who work in the industry that we do, or any form of creativity and lots of people who you know will be listening to the podcast to to be able to set your boundaries in terms of your mental health and what you need and how important that is and that you advocated for that and then that that I also feel was revolutionary because it helps the next person who comes in to do a show to go I know that I can set my boundaries here Maria did it you know and it's possible to work and and create but um, we need to have very specific guidelines and how to do that. And I can have, I totally have compassion for the industry and uh, people who are making the stuff because it's super expensive to have tiredy, tired, you know, to make accessibility, you know, or whatever. I mean, I'm not saying, I, yeah, I don't feel like I totally have a disability. I don't want to say that, but I just feel like, um, you know, I, I don't feel like my bipolar has had a severe enough. Anyways, I just... I just want to give my hats off to people who have um, different abilities. But even when people say that they want diversity of, you know, neurodiversity or whatever it is, um, like I have a friend who has a (laughs) wheelchair and she's a musician and she, like how many times she's invited to a gig and there's no, there's no ramp. There's no ramp accessibility. So, hey guys, what did you think when I was going to come here? Like, like. Like they're paying your, you know, so it's that, that same wake up moment of like, we'd had tons of meetings about the show. And then I was like, and I said the whole time about my energy and that I'm on meds and um, that's part of the storyline. And then when we actually get to shooting going, oh, this really is a thing. Oh, <laughs> whoops. Like that yeah. being inclusive is uncomfortable and disappointing. like just sometimes like oh we have to I mean I don't know I just want to allow people their their feelings and the thing of like oh having more women in the room gosh it was such it was so fun when it was just us 12 guys we could just bullshit it's like I'm sure it yes of course of course now it's going to be uncomfortable that you know we're going to have 18 different points of view um because different uh experiences are represented Oh, well. Tough shit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and also sometimes you're like, oh, I'm going to be in my underwear in this scene. Can we have a close set? Can it not just be 10 guys? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or can I have my husband here? Yeah, I I was nude in one scene. That was partially because I watched um, Borat and I was like, I love, I love that nude guy running there. It's like, oh, I want to do a funny nude thing. And so the nude scene is me um, trying to escape the pixels to show my uh 49 year old body that's really funny i'm trying to give everybody a peek of the beautiful <laughs> of the teats of the teats yes. and the book stop making me invisible yeah <laughs> <laughs> very very funny scene thank you for that answer though and thank you for sort of talking about advocating for that as well and i think a lot of the time listen you know sometimes they're just not things that we have to think about it was only when someone mentioned to me that I thought about accessibility at the Edinburgh Fringe where I actually do my shows like in the venue I'm like oh so much of Edinburgh this city is like tiny narrow staircases and basement venues and like how are people actually uh, gonna be able to get into the shows and stuff so you know it's really only when someone sort of mentions that that you go oh of course I was just ignorant not I don't even want to say ignorant because that suggests there's a malice behind it but like unaware yeah if it doesn't affect me it doesn't bother me that much I go oh yeah yeah, that is a narrow staircase (laughs) you know I'm not thinking about falling down it at uh, 20 miles an hour in my $60,000 wheelchair and also it shows that it can be done because the the net result of the show is it's you know really really funny show yeah 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 and 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 I think there's so many more shows. There's a great show on Netflix called Special. I have not seen it, but a, a friend of mine, it, it it's very, um, I think it's a, the main star. I want to say his star is an actor who, uh, I believe he has cerebral palsy. Um, it's a physical disability. And then and then it it's the entire cast has different 
abilities and it's yeah the fact that that show is made and is super you know it's very funny and i'm always just so grateful now for the new perspectives because it used to be every i mean i just remember when i started out it was just a lot of white dudes and it still is a lot of white dudes talking about their spirits which is perfectly interesting but to hear completely different you know, experiences of the world is just, you know, like, oh my God, you're Muslim and schizoaffective disorder and you're going to play guitar. I, please don't play the guitar. Please, please don't play the guitar. But no, I, that's, that's a mean spirited joke. I do love the guitar. I'm sorry. I, that's not my opinion. Before we go, I would like to talk very briefly about your book because why not? We can give it a plug as well. Because well, you said you're it's writing a book. Even, it's, it's in a rough draft form. It's not even here yet. I'm still looking at uh, photos from childhood. Anyways, it'll be out at some point, at some venue. Just know that someone is uh, struggling and um learning we were all we were all struggling to write a book during lockdown so you were just like the rest of us who didn't manage to write a book during lockdown but you're planning on i I love the thing about it i I love to read so it's like and i think i had this uh irrational sense of confidence hubris that oh it'll be just i'll just finish the book in a year yeah you you poop it out just make a book it's like no. What if it's what if it's actually uh, good, or you want it to be better than uh, just a toilet book, as uh, Stuart Lee says, a toilet book. It's like a mental health memoir with short recipes, like how to get free food. You go to your cafe, your local cafe, for months on end. You learned every single barista's name, then. One day you say, oh, my God, I forgot my wallet. And then watch the gold come in. Watch (laughs) your patient work pay off. (laughs) Just take these, Maria. Just take these. You mean these free, this free food? Thank you. So it's part mental health book, part Part scam. Scab scam. Scab scam. Scab scamming. We will look forward to that then. Oh, I will look out for the traditional announcements. I do have an audiobook already out, uh, which is how to, uh, uh, you are special. You are a comedy special. And it's, uh, it's a 14 step simple guide on how to write and perform a full hour of stand up comedy. That's magnificent. Okay, well, definitely. We should definitely plug that. Get get that downloaded. I didn't know that. I'm going to download that. It's on Audible. It's, um, I'm very proud of it. I, 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 I thought I did a great job. Yes, of course, there's some one stars on there, but they don't know what they're talking about or it wasn't for them. I'm sorry about that. I was bored. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> but uh, that's that's a great resource as well. Again, this is kind of giving back. This is uh, allowing people or encouraging people to come in and kind of have a go. This is how you do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's it is so fun. I mean, stand up. It is like a free group. I mean, I I feel like it is because uh, it is so hard to get mental health help. At least in the U.S., it's like go just go anywhere. Like go to an open mic. Go you know just kick somebody in the shin who's standing next to you to see if anybody's got something you know wise to say you don't know who you're standing next to i've just started calling small businesses in my neighborhood just to see because the suicide hotline is 45 minute long wait so um wow yeah i check it every once in a while just to see what's the wait time just out of curiosity and um so i called a hertz rent a car in my neighborhood and i got a woman in less than three minutes to say after she had gone through this whole thing about how oh we just you know, lease cars and sell them. She said, yes, but I guess I believe every human life has value. Boom. And she, she picked up on the first ring. So just right. keep calling. <laughs> keep calling. Don't call that hotline. Just call someone else. Just call someone else. The or, you know, keep a burner phone. Keep Just have a bunch of calls. Toggle. That is crazy, a 45-minute wait. Yeah. Yeah. It certainly, it's, it, it is a bit of gaslighting. <laughs> like, it is call, call now. But really spend some time thinking about, about it. it. Yeah. 
thank you for coming on the podcast maria bamford thank you so much an absolute pleasure thank you so much for having me you can listen to other programs from the bugle including the bugle the last post tiny revolutions and the gargle wherever you find your podcasts Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage of the French Open begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.